Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all this bright, shiny morning. And uh, just wanted to bring greetings from Glory Christian Fellowship. Sometimes I just want to say bring greetings from Glory. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but that's our uh, little church up there. And uh, we look forward to uh, sharing with you this morning. Let's go ahead and open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just the blessing of the cross, of Christ, of his blood, of atonement, that we could have relationship with our sovereign God, our Father. We can't in our little minds and hearts even understand it, Lord. But Father, you tell us to claim it in your name. And Father, we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for such a great salvation that the malefactor on the cross could be forgiven when he had the revelation of Christ in his heart. So watch over this service, this time together, Lord. I pray that you increase the, the thoughts and the intents of the words, Lord, um, to have eternal value, Lord. Anoint them, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, um, I want to talk a bit about um, a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says this, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. So the title of the message is Known and to be Known, or Know and to be Known. And, uh, This scripture has an amazing central point, and that central point is relationship. Relationship with God. Relationship with each other. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, there's only so much that you can learn by reading a biography about somebody. And then you meet them and you know a lot more when it's face to face. And the only, see only then you can see them in their world, in, in their atmosphere. You can see their habits, their quirkiness, 
and their tendencies, their likes, their dislikes. But without spending quality time with a person, there is no way that you can really get to know them in a deep and an intimate way. And God calls us to abide with Him. He calls us to have relationship with Him in that deep abiding way. Another aspect of spending quality time with someone you might not think about, but it also exposes you. It opens you up. It doesn't allow you to hide behind the screens and facades. I think about relationships that are doing texting. Not that I hate texting, but what I'm saying is, how can you know them? How can you, and, and even I've had communications and people have talked about communications that aren't face-to-face -face or aren't verbal even, that are just, you can't get your meaning across because of the inflection and, and the care in the face maybe or the, the heart yearning to get to know who they are and communicate. Eventually, your true self comes out in those face-to-face -face times, either for good or for bad. We would all agree that to have deep abiding relationship is very profitable. Very profitable. Do you all have kind of a favorite person? I do. She's right back there. But I also have a deeper relationship with my Lord. And that's what we need to strive for. You may have a good friend. You may have a good friend that you can share life with, share everything with. But remember, the Lord says to put him first. So these are important examples of why it's so important to spend time with God. How can we expect to grow closer to God if we don't spend time with Him? If there's no face-to-face, -face, if there's no, no looking in His Word. And remember, it's a living Word, so you are face-to-face -face with Him in the Word. How can we expect to develop an intimate relationship with Him if we neglect quality time face-to-face? There are endless things that spending time with God does for us. The first is it helps us to develop an open, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord. Spending time in prayer and in worship, I like to almost blend those two, to just be able to sing to Him and to worship Him, or even, even quiet time before Him. And just let whatever happens happen there. You know, it might be some prayer. It might be a little worship. And you can talk to a lot of my family. I sing a lot, especially in the morning. I always have a song on my heart in the morning. 
And when I don't, I ask why. Because usually it's a distraction. But I don't sing all the words, right? I don't have all the tunes, and my voice surely isn't perfect. But it's real. It's who I am. And the Lord wants to know each individual one of us. One day we'll be perfect, but not today. Not today. We can spend time meditating on his word and reading scriptural accounts that have given, that they've been given to us for learning, for our learning, for our growing. It's almost like you can read something on a paper, but then you can see that interpretation on a picture. You know, somebody can write a, write a book about, um, let's say, some kind of funny animal like the duck-billed platypus. And it's a lot better when you can actually see it. And I think that's what God does. Is he, he knew that we needed that, those stories, those, I call them accounts, because a story can be a story, true or false. But an account is an account of truth. And so I try to call them accounts. But all of this puts us in a position to be able to truly commune with God, to have common union with God, and to get to know Him on a personal level as the creator of all creation, but also as our Father, as our Father. What does He love? What does He hate? What makes him happy? What makes him sad? What are the most important things to him? That's a big one, to learn what the most important things are to God. And we're going to look at that a little bit later. What does he value? What does he value? All these things, every one of these I took out of Scripture. He says he loves things. He says he hates things. He says there are things that make him glad. He says that there are things that are very important. And he says there's things that he holds in high value. They're all scriptural. But then also, what does he want from me? What does he want from me and you? That's scriptural too. He'll tell us. If you want to turn to Micah chapter 6, I want to read just a couple of verses here, 6 through 8. It says these words, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give him my firstborn of my transgression? Shall I give him for my firstborn? 
for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what the, door, the Lord doth require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. There's a couple more scriptures that I want to look at here. Um, let's go to um, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. It's just a very short opening to um, that Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11. But it's very profound. It says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Paul's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Don't look at me as the ultimate example, but follow me as I follow him. And, you know, a test in your life might be, are people following me and am I pointing them to Christ with my life, with my relationship with him, with how I pursue him? And then finally, first, or excuse me, uh, Matthew 22. Matthew 22, 37 to 39. Jesus says these words. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and the greatest Commandments. See, I told you the scripture tells us what he wants, tells us what he loves. And the second is like unto, the, like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So that's just a few examples of how the Lord speaks to us in scripture. We learn from spending time in the word with the Lord and what he requires of me. We learn who he is. We learn what he expects from us as his children. We learn what his will for us is for our life. You know, somebody, so many people say, I just wish that I knew what God had, what his will was for my life. That's the biggest question, especially from you young people. Have you sought him? Have you truly made him first? And you know what? He isn't going to give you the whole picture. He's going to give you the next step. You know, Daniel Keniston, you might know him. He's here and there, right? He was here not long ago, wasn't he? Little Bible school. But Daniel told me one time, he said, you know, he, had, he has a lot of youth ask him that. And he goes, let me tell you how I got to Ghana. Let me tell you. He said, there was a door and I opened it. There was another door and it was unlocked and I opened it. And pretty soon after a whole bunch of doors, of walking through that the Lord put before me. He said, 
I opened it and I was in Ghana. <laughs> He's, that's the way it happens. So don't expect to get a biography for your life in advance of you living it. It's not going to work. It's that relationship. And also, in relationship, doesn't relationship build a tremendous amount of trust? Don't you feel like you could share with that one that's closest to you? You can. And that's what he's saying is he's saying, trust me. Take the next step. Do the next thing. If my spirit whispers, speak to that person. Or go minister here or minister there. He's just, he's just getting you there. And he's growing you all along the way, by the way. Spending time with the Lord, we have to understand, is invaluable to the believer. If we don't do it, we'll die. It is essential to be his children that we listen to him and we spend time at his feet. Secondly, spending time with God helps strengthen our faith. Don't make the mistake of thinking that God is the one who benefits from our time together. I'm here, God. Aren't you glad? No. He calls us to come before Him on bended knee, prostrate. That is not the case. Spending time with God doesn't help God as much as it helps us. I almost put it doesn't help God or it doesn't help God at all. But I think that God truly with his love and his attributes loves to spend time with each one of us. He looks forward to it as much as we do, I think. Spending time with God doesn't help God as much as it helps us. It's very true. God already knows us. He knows our secrets. He knows the depths of our thoughts and our motivations. He knows what we try to hide and cover in the darkness. And He knows in all and He sees all. He is a discerner of the heart, the Bible says. It's us that have a great and grave need of Him. We are the ones who were called to prove Him. In Malachi 3.10, it says this. He, he challenges us to prove Him. He's, he's just like, prove me. Prove me that I am faithful. Prove me that you can trust me. And he says these words, there's many, many others, but I just picked Malachi 3.10. It says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out my blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. 
Is that a statement for your life? You're not going to have room for everything that God has for you. But you have to be approaching Him for Him to open that window of blessing. We need to know that we can trust Him no matter what. And there is no other way to develop trust than, like I said before, as in spending quality time with Him. It is truly an eternal investment. Brothers and sisters, we wouldn't want to go to battle with someone who wasn't battle-tested with us, would we? That'd be a pretty dangerous thing. That's why armies train. That's why they do it in platoons. That's why they do it together. And they do it because ultimately when the press is on, when the press is on, they're fighting that fight for the one who's next to them and the one who's next to them. That's where that comes from. And God wants us to be that way with Him, that we can know beyond knowing that He is there. He's got our back. Or as they would say in the army, our six. But... Uh, it is amazing how when we get to know Him, how His strengths are, it is amazing how our trust is built and how our relationship just soars when we spend time with God. It helps us also to be pursuing of those times of relationship. You see, God waits on you continually. I don't know if you ever realized this. This is one of those aha moments for me a number of years ago where you, you want, you're going to come to the Lord and you wonder, I wonder if he's busy with something else. Or, I wonder if he's distracted over here or over there. You know, his angel got distracted. But you know, the Lord doesn't get distracted. He's there all the time. He's there every moment. Just like he gave us that story about the prodigal son. And he gave, it, he gave that story so beautifully that the father waited and paced and looked and waited and paced and looked all the time that he was gone. And that's the way the Lord is waiting on you this very moment. He's waiting on you to make that step, to open that door of your heart and say, Lord, here I am. What would you have of me today? What would you have of me? You've given me breath. I know you want me here. What would you have of me today? We have to remember the character, the very, the very fiber of God, can, it's, it includes faithfulness, loving kindness, mercy, long-suffering, and so many more attributes. And those things are imparted in us in our personal time together with Him. And then they're confirmed 
with our personal time and care of one another. Because remember what Jesus prayed? He said, Father, I pray that they would, they would be one as we are one. You see, he gives that example so we can have that example and be that example to others around us. The final thing that spending time with God does for us, remember what I said in the beginning when we were talking about relationships toward the end of that, I said, yourself gets revealed. And that's what happens with God. The light of God and by, by its light, our true selves are revealed. The word uses a couple, of different, a couple of different scriptures. It talks about a mirror, like you can see darkly in a glass, like that first scripture I read. And then also it talks about light. It talks about the light of our eyes. It talks about light in our heart. And that light, that spotlight... It exposes darkness. And you know something else that I've, I've battled? or When I come to battle sin, and people will come to me, um, especially, you know, some counsel, getting some counsel and things like that, I will say, um, if you're, having, if you're having Satan come and tempt you, the most effective way that you could, you could battle that is to out loud, with your whole spirit, say, no. That word, no. And there is power in that. And why is there power in that? Because God has given you that power to say no. He tells us that we, sin, is, sin should be nothing to us other than something to step over or step on, maybe. But yet, somehow we take this thing and we, we battle with it, we battle with it. And I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying that we aren't going to be in battles and that they will be long. But what I am saying is, believe the one who's in battle with us. For victory, for conquering that, that temptation. You see that light that time spent in light and the purity of Christ, it shows all of our dirtiness. Everything is uncovered. And the beautiful part about it is that we don't just have to sit there having our inner being shown to Him, a holy God. He has given us repentance. He has, through His love and His mercy, given us repentance. 
And so often we, 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 we battle with it or it, it just is one of those things. And, and repentance can be so freeing. But I believe also repentance needs to be verbal. It puts Satan on notice that this is God's territory. Have you ever, you're a purchase possession. And when you're a purchase possession, when we choose to give something of God's purpose, purchase possession, which is us, our being, and our life, if we choose to give some of that away, we're stealing from God. Have you ever thought about it that way? That's a very practical thing. But if we think about that, I'm going to make this choice. And I know God's kind of whispering, eh, me, this is kind of better not. You have to recognize that you are stealing from God when you give parts of yourself away. And it's kind of like in a, in a relationship, um, a physical relationship. Um, you don't want to go when someone shares their whole heart with you and then go and speak secrets. It, it just, you're giving something of value away that was entrusted to you. And with Jesus' life, your salvation is entrusted to you. And it's for us to keep. But he doesn't leave us alone to keep it. He gives us everything we need to keep it. Totally off point, but right on point. God uses a time with us to hold a mirror up to us and to show us how much we need him to help us to see the way and to see our life being lived through him before him. Our blind spots, he shows us. Where we're deceived, where we're fooled, where we need more discernment. Areas that need dug up and dung and dung put on. You know, if our life isn't being fruitful, if we're not vibrant, have that vibrant life with the Lord. The Bible tells us, you know, the, the servant came and said, Lord, let me, let me dung it. Let me turn the soil. Let me put some fertilizer on there. And let's see if we can improve that fruit and grow that tree. And we need to be willing to do that. We need to need, take the shovel to the roots. Put a little fertilizer on there. And we can grow and we can bear much fruit. He says that's his heart, that's his heart that we bear much fruit. We need to understand, I think I said this before earlier on, just referred to it. Sorry, my podium has a thing I can put my foot on and I'm, I'm reaching for it and I'm moving the podium to try and find it. It's a distraction. I'll stop doing that. Um, we need to understand that when we neglect relationship with God, when we neglect that still small voice that tugs on our hearts, and our relationship with Him, it wilts and it withers. If that, if that living water and that food isn't there giving us life and us bearing fruit, it withers. And it will, like I said, eventually die. Eventually die. We must be abiding in Christ. That's what we're called to do. To abide is to dwell 
to reside, to remain stable or steady, or, and I love this one, to be affixed. Like you're stuck. And that, I believe, is the ultimate abiding. But the abiding is up to us. Psalm 91.1 says this, He that dwelleth, dwelleth in the most, wait a minute, in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's abiding. We're in His shadow. He's watching. I don't know about you, but brothers and sisters, there's no better place to dwell. There is no better place to dwell than with our Lord. And right in the center of His will, having known and being known of Him. Think about and be thankful for the grace that you're under. Think about and be thankful for the overwhelming love and forgiveness that you're covered by. Think about the power and protection of the creator of the universe over all things that are created. I mean, we could spend years just musing on that with the Lord and be blessed. Make your time with the Lord your greatest priority, your first desire of your heart. The time, the time that you just can't do without. Now, Satan's not going to like that. He's going to come against it with everything he has. You know, I've had even moments where I've said, situations that I've had, I said, really, God? And I actually do that with my hands, too. I'm talking to God, and I'll, just, I'll, I'll admit to you. I just am like, like at work, if I come to this like big problem, it's like, really, God? I just came out of that. And I turned around and walked through this door, and now there's this. Really, God? I've just come out of one thing and into another. Anybody else been there? You all been there? Even young ones, you've been there. In those times, the Lord reminds us of His promise that says, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. I, the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, will never leave thee or forsake thee. I'll never stop letting you have an opportunity to be my child. The Lord has a track record, and it's unmatched. It's flawless. He's never failed. He's never, never when someone sought him, with the right heart has he turned his back. Never. He is one who has stood truly the test of time. And time doesn't even make it. It stood the test of eternity.
So despite the chaos of this world pushing in on our lives, He is our shield, our defender, and our buckler. Our God, our deliverer, our King, our Father. Philippians 1.6 says this, Being confident of this very thing, that He which hath began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What a promise. What a promise. To stand in the Lord, you need Holy Spirit tenacity and perseverance to stand and believe God. And not only believe Him, but believe His timing. See, oftentimes we doubt God's timing, and His timing is perfect. You know, when we have an appointment, we're like, okay, I'm supposed to be here at 10, it's 10 after. You know, that's not God. We need to be hopeful that His timing is perfect and to keep taking the next step till it's time for Him to intercede. Standing and waiting. The maturing of our faith happens in these times of testing and of fire. The maturing of our faith, it happens in these times. Who knows what the next one will be for each one of us? Who will know what the next fire, the next temptation will be? Only He does. But He's waiting right there to be there. But we have to turn to Him. Turn our eyes to heaven, our hearts to heaven and the throne room and say, Lord, it can't be of me, it has to be of you. For us to live in the power of God, to witness the hand of God, and to live in the continual presence of God, there needs to be seasons of adversity. Now listen to this. There needs to be seasons of adversity. He knows us. He knows our frailties. There needs to be seasons of adversity to drive us to the path of obedience. So he can keep reminding us, oh, not there, Johnny. Oh, not there, Liz. If your name is John or Liz, I'm sorry. But uh, where you believe God no matter what, that unfailing faith and trust. And it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. It needs to be developed. And God is the perfect one to do that with. Trust God and put your full, full trust and faith in Him. Psalms 130, 130 verse 6 says, My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. Think about that. We know it's faithful that the sun's going to come up, but we still stand there and watch and are amazed at just that faithfulness of even just the sun that's reminding us every day Every day we have it. And then he repeats himself, I say more than they that watch for the morning. 
We must fully acknowledge and accept that God's timing is perfect and He is faithful and just to complete His work. So that we know beyond knowing, even also as I am known. Now I had read Isaiah once before. But I want to read it again. Verses 2 through 8. through eight, And I want us to listen to this again. It said, Though thou hast not known me. There's a part of that, those verses that say that the, you haven't known me, but I'm going to still treat you as my child and I have grace and mercy. And then he says these words, and I want you to listen for them. I will, I have, I am, I form, and I, the Lord, do all these things. Listen to this. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elects, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. It reminds me of where it talks about that God knew us before we were formed in the womb. Anybody have any friends that knew each other before they were formed in their new womb? Or husbands, wives? That's how much He, that's how much he knows us. That's how, much, that's how much He's part of us. And he numbered them. That's how great he is. And how do we treat him? How do we treat him? Now, in closing, I'm going to have, I have a quote from Charles Spurgeon. And I want you to kind of figure out and, and reach in to Charles Spurgeon's life with your mind as we hear his words. And see where he's at with all this relationship thing with the Lord. Does he know as he's known? Now listen to this. I must choose all of this by reminding you that he is amen. With regard to his person, he is still faithful and true, immutably the same, not less than God, no furrows on his eternal brow, no palsy in his mighty arm, no faithlessness in his almighty heart, no lack of fullness in his sufficiency, no diminishing in his, his keenness of his eye. He has no defects, omnipotent, immutable, 
eternal, omnipresent, still God over all, blessed forever. O Jesus, we adore thee, thou great amen. You see the way he saw him, how his relationship was? That's what we need to strive for. And I'm not see that, I mean, he's not our perfect example. He isn't. But how did Jesus strive for relationship with his father? He was God, but he was incarnate. He was man and God. What did he do? He separated himself from those he loved, the apostles, and those he was teaching, and the people that were thronging around, sometimes just for bread and fish. He separated himself, and he went and he spent time. He even even kind of rebuked the apostles a bit in the garden and said, couldn't you stay awake? A little while. Couldn't you also be with the Father like I went to be with the Father? Here's some questions for us just in the closing. Do we know God? Do we know this God in this manner? Do we set Him as our giver of life? Do we gaze upon Him continually? as the most beautiful? Do we give Him our devotion and our worship? Is He high and lifted up in our hearts, our soul, our mind, our actions, and our actions outwardly? Do we allow Him full access and control? Do we love as He loves us? Have we put ourselves in a position to be known of Him? Have we bowed our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength in obedience and servanthood to Him? Just some questions to ponder. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your words. We thank you, Father, for your relationship with us. For you to have a relationship with us, Father. Ever since the garden, you had a plan. And that plan was to sacrifice your only son, Jesus. For the propitiation of our sin, for the payment of our sin. Oh, Father, help us. Help us to treat you as our Father. Help us to run after you, sometimes holding your hand, sometimes running ahead, but sometimes tucking behind your strength and your power and protection. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And thank you for Jesus. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen.